John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. I'm a retired Baptist preacher with over 50 years in the ministry of teaching and preaching the King James Bible, God's Holy Word. The purpose of this podcast is to present the Word of God as being just as relevant today as it was in the day that it was written. Welcome back to our continuing study on the pastoral epistles. This is part three of our continuing study in lesson number two on the pastoral epistles. We're going to pick it up at verse five, but I need to remind you that we're talking about prayer. And what we run square into in verse five is the mediator of our prayers. The one who sees to it that our prayers get to God. The one who stands between God and men and can mediate for us. That is, can represent us to God and represent God to us. So we're going to pick it up at verse 5 and see what the scripture says. So look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. One God, one mediator, between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. One God. There's not a multiplicity of gods. There are all sorts of gods in this world. The Bible says there's gods of many and lords many. But there's only one God, one true and living God, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy, chapter 32 and verse 39, look at the scripture. It says, see now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. This is God giving testimony concerning himself and concerning all other gods. He says, there is no God with me. He says, I kill and I make alive. So he holds our life in his hand. I wound and I heal. He goes on to say, neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. There is no God, there is no man, there is no demon, there is nobody that can deliver out of his hand. Pharaoh learned that lesson the hard way, being drowned with his troops in the Red Sea. Now, stop and look at Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 6. It says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Notice, the God of heaven and earth is the King of Israel, and he is the Redeemer of the Lord of hosts. He said, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. He is the first, he is the last, and beside him there's none. There is no God beside him. He alone is God. There is one God. And then our scripture goes on to say, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's no room for Mary. There is no room for the saints. There's no room for anybody else, no room for Muhammad, no room for Buddha, 
No room for Zoroaster. No room for any of the gods of this world because they don't, they're not gods at all, the Bible says. Oh, men make them gods, but they're not true gods. The only way we can come to God the Father is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Simply put, you're not getting to God the Father if you don't come through Jesus Christ. So you who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to accept that you're lost. And that because you've rejected the one who can bring you to God. Without him, you don't get to the Father. Jesus, in fact, is the God-man. He intercedes on our behalf. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, listen to what the scripture says. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He can save us to the uttermost because he intercedes on our behalf before God the Father in heaven. He is our intercessor, the one who pleads our case, pleading his blood as the payment for our sin. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15, we read, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he did what the blood of bulls and of goats all through the Old Testament couldn't do. He removed the sin. He paid it fully. His blood paid it all. The songwriter wrote, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Yes, Jesus paid it all. It's all done. And those Old Testament saints are now saved, safe and secure through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is our intercessor. He makes intercession for us. Listen to it, the scripture in First Timothy chapter 2. And verse 5 again, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, we read, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is John's testimony concerning the Lord Jesus Christ said that the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, was made flesh, and he dwelt among them, and they beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Truly they saw the glory of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. It says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not but a body hast thou prepared me. You see, 
Jesus had to be born into a physical body. So God the Father prepared a physical body that he was born into through the Virgin Mary, that he might die for us, pay the debt for us, be tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 45, we read, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. The first man, Adam, is the natural. Verse 46 tells us, Howbeit though that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and after that which is spiritual, the, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 47 says, The first man, Adam, is of the earth, earthy. The second man, Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. He's God from heaven. So Jesus became man. God from heaven took upon himself the form of a man that he might be tempted in all points like as we are, and yet without sin, might go to the cross of Calvary, become our sin, and suffer and bleed and die on the cross and be buried and raise again the third day to ever live to make intercession for us. Only God, the Son, could make intercession for us because he alone understands all that we go through and all that we are. Now look at verse 6 of Philippians chapter 2. It says, Who being in the form of God, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus, in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God while he was walking in the flesh. We know that's true because he accepted worship as God. He forgave sin as God. He confessed that he was the great I am. So Jesus became, came into this world in a fleshly body and thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But what did he do? Verse 7 of that chapter says, He made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. That's what we said. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a manger. He had nowhere to lay his head, and yet he was the God of heaven and earth. But he willingly laid that aside to take the form of a servant. And being found in fashion, he humbled himself, verse 8 says, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now think about that. If Jesus was obedient to the death of the cross, he was obedient to the Father in all things. Shouldn't we follow our Savior and be obedient wherever that obedience may lead us? We are saved. We are sanctified by him. We're set apart by him. We're seated in the heavenly places, the Bible says. But brother, we're living in this world, and we're to obey the Father. We're to obey God. 
as to what he tells us to do and become obedient, even if it means obedience to death. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 6 we read, But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Well, he ain't much. He's just a vessel of clay. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's all we are, just an earthen vessel. Or the son of man that thou visitest him. Why would Jesus come to visit this world? Verse 7 goes on to say, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor. And it set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. Remember in Genesis chapter 2, I believe it is. Let me look that up. Let me read that to you. When God created man, he created him in his likeness, in his image. And let's see. In verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, God said, let us make men, man, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Then he goes on to say, God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that that moveth upon the earth. So God put all things under his feet, put all things in subjection to man when he created him. Then this scripture, back in verse 8, he says, For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. But now, in this day and time, but now, since man sinned, we see not all things put under him. But what do we see? Well, in verse 9, we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death. So he could taste death for every man. So when Jesus was sent into this world it's that he might taste death for every man. For it became him, Jesus, for whom are all things and by him whom are all things. This is the creator, Jesus. It became him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. That's a, that's a baffling statement. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. 
Well, that's baffling to the human brain to think that God would come and take upon himself the form of a man and through suffering be made perfect, the captain of our salvation. He is the perfect captain of our salvation because he knows what we go through. He knows how we're tempted. He knows what death tastes like. He knows what hell is like. And he's come back to keep us from going there. Verse 11 goes on to say, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. That's us. He's not ashamed of us to call us his brothers saying, I will declare my name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Think of that. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers. And again, he says in verse 13, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. We have been born into God's family. We are his children. We are given to him by the blood of Jesus Christ. Through reception of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have salvation. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Truly, we have much to rejoice in when we think about our salvation. What an astounding revelation we find in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 through 13. We come now to verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 2. Continuing to talk about our mediator. Notice that he says, who gave himself a ransom. That means he's bought us. He gave himself to ransom us from our sin who gave himself a ransom for all. You realize that that means that lost man that's walking through the world, that Jesus gave himself a ransom for him, though it is not effective in his life because he has not received the Lord Jesus Christ. But we who have trusted him, Jesus gave himself a ransom for us. No limited atonement here. Just an atonement for all. Isaiah speaks in Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the description of every one of us. We're everyone like sheep going astray, running here, running there, running wherever we want to go. Not obedient to the Father not obedient to God. We've gone astray. We've gone our own way. The Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Like the people in Judges, the book of Judges, that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Seems, to, seems like it's right for me. It's my way. I did it my way. Frankly, not so hotra. And Elvis Presley sang, I did it my way. Yeah, how'd that work out? It ended in death. All we like sheep have gone our own way. But what did God do? 
Well, the Lord hath laid on him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all, laid on Jesus my iniquity, my wickedness, my sinfulness, and Jesus became my sin, that he might ransom my soul from death, hell, and the grave. This was the purpose of the Lord's coming into this world. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28, listen to what the scripture says. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Now get this, get this, don't miss it. And to give his life a ransom for many. Notice he says a ransom for many. And then in First Timothy, he said a ransom for all. What's the difference? Well, the ransom is for all effectively, but the ransom is for many. Only the many who receive him. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone our own way, but many do not come to him. But the many who do come to the Savior, who do receive the Lord Jesus Christ, they're born into his family. And so, we are ransomed. He gave his life to ransom us. Listen, Christian, he gave his life to ransom you. He gave his life to ransom me. Listen, preachers, we need to let this world know that Jesus gave his life a ransom for all, but it's only effective in the many who receive him. It is ineffectual to the, those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, listen to the scripture. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came into the world the first time. He didn't come to reign. He came to seek and to save the lost. That was his purpose. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 tells us that he died that we might live for him. Listen to what it says. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. Do you get that? We're not to live to ourselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We're to live unto the Savior because he died to pay the price of our sin. Jesus Christ is the price, the payment made for our sin, the payment for our redemption. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now don't miss it. Get it straight. Jesus the Lord Jesus Christ is our redemption price. His blood, not our works. His blood, not our church. His blood, not our goodness. His blood. That's what was given for our redemption. And that's how we got the forgiveness of sin. Our sins are forgiven. They're gone. I like the little... Sunday school song I grew up with. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. 
Now my soul is free and in my heart's a song, buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. I shall live eternally. Praise God, my sins are G-O-N-E, gone. So my sins are gone. According to the riches of his grace, God's grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by, the tra- by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I read that scripture and I think about Abraham and Isaac. As Abraham takes Isaac and they're going up the mountainside. And Isaac says, Father, here's the wood, here's the fire, where's the lamb? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide himself a lamb. When he gets up that on the top of that mountain, he takes and builds the altar. He puts the wood on it. He then puts... Isaac onto the altar and lifts the knife to plunge into his chest. And God speaks from heaven and says, that's good enough. And he says, if you look, you'll see a ram in the bush. And there was a ram provided to take Isaac's place. But listen, Abraham's prophecy was God would provide himself a lamb. And the Lord Jesus Christ was the lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. Ah, listen, we have a great message to preach, preachers. We have a great mediator because the one who mediates on our behalf is the one who died as the Lamb of God to take away our sins. What a great sacrifice. What a great privilege. The precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And notice that scripture goes on to say in verse 6, he gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There is a day appointed when all the world will see the Savior. And listen, it will not be a fun day for the lost. But this is the day that we live in that we are to be testifying concerning the Savior. Remember what he said? Ye shall be witnesses unto me who gave himself, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Today is our day to testify of him. But in due time will come the complete revelation that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one and only true Savior and God of all the earth. It will not be a fun day when that revelation is made and the lost man sees it. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 15 says, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes, the day is going to come when Jesus will be revealed as King of kings and Lord of lords, as the only wise God. 
And what will be the reaction of the lost? Well, they're going to say, Revelation chapter 6, verse 16 says, they'll say to the mountains and rocks, follow us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? What are they going to say? They're going to say, cover me to the rocks and the mountains. Save me from the wrath of the Lamb. But the old Negro spiritual is the answer they get. No hiding place down here. I went to the rock to hide my face. The rock cried out, no hiding place. No hiding place down here. Then we read in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Listen to it. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yes, he will be revealed in death, he will be testified of in due time. When he is revealed to this world, all every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. You understand, it won't be a problem for the Christian to bow his knee and confess that Jesus is Lord because he is our Lord. But my, can you imagine Muhammad bowing the knee and confessing Jesus is Lord? Can you imagine Buddha bowing the knee and confessing Jesus is Lord? Can you imagine all the gods of this earth bowing the knee and all their worshipers bowing the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and confessing Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father? It's going to come. It's a certainty. And this is what we as God's people are to let this world know. And preacher, this is why we can come to God in prayer and know that our prayers are going to be answered because we have the one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. That concludes this part of the lesson. We'll pick it up in the next part of our lesson as we continue our study on the book of 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus, the pastoral epistles. Till then, God bless. Hey, this is John Cook again. Thank you for listening to the John Cook Ministries podcast on the pastoral epistles. Before you hit that exit button, how about take some time and leave us a comment or maybe a prayer request or what question do you have that we might be able to answer for you? Let us know how we can help you. And don't forget to subscribe to the John Cook Ministries podcast. And you will get the next lesson just as soon as it is released. Well, we'll say goodbye for now. God bless. Till the next video.